In the making of the episode you're about to hear, we recorded a call between a founder and investors where the founder made this huge pivot because of COVID-19, and now she's absolutely crushing it, which was surprising and impressive. But then the subject of software patents came up, and the investors started getting all riled up about the ways in which a patent can hurt a startup. I thought patents were supposed to protect a startup. I had no idea. Anyway, the call was super interesting, so we decided to turn it into its own special episode for Pitch Plus subscribers. It features investors Sarah Downey and Phil Nadell, who are very passionate about patents. The episode is live right now, and it's available for Pitch Plus subscribers only. Just go to pitch.show slash plus and sign up to get ad-free listening plus special episodes like the one we published today called The Patent Trap. Okay, coming up after this, how are the startup founders who called into our show at the beginning of the pandemic doing now? This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Is it even possible for startups to succeed in a pandemic? This was the question on our minds when COVID-19 started body slamming the economy. So back in April and May, we let founders call in and get advice from investors. Well, here we are now in August. We're five months into this pandemic, and we began wondering about the founders who called in months ago. Are they doing any better now or are they worse off? So producer Max Gibson and I decided to call them back and see how it's been going since last spring. We learned the good, the bad, and the ugly of running a startup the last few months. And the great thing about these callers is how radically different each of their experiences have been. Hey, Max. Hey, Josh. So who's first? Yeah, uh, so first up, we have Ben Snyder. Uh, he has a company called Luminu Chocolate. They make chocolate. Oh, uh, bean to bar chocolate. Is that what he called it? Exactly, right. They were like totally relying on in-person tastings, but then they were planning on opening right in March, uh, which obviously we know <sighs> what happened there. Yeah. So his question for investors was like, uh, what do I do now? And Charles was like, hey, why don't you just send your chocolate to people in the mail and do virtual tastings? Like you could literally put little bars of chocolate in envelopes. Here is what Charles and Elizabeth said to Ben in that Colin show back in the spring. Is it possible to sort of make that sampler experience something that the consumer could try at home at a cost that's not prohibitive to you, but that would give them some sense for the product? I know a number of wineries that are doing that right now, too. And it seems to, it seems to be working pretty well. It seems to be popular. And frankly speaking, being in California, I wouldn't be able to go in person. You can actually reach a market that you wouldn't have been able to reach before. Hey, Ben. Hey. So, uh, did you follow their advice? I did. 
So we were able to do virtual tastings. We started that uh, shortly after that episode aired. We had three tastings within a month. And uh, tell me about that. What like when you do a tasting? What is what is that? Yeah. So they would be able to go on our website, and then they were able to buy a chocolate tasting kit. It was five bucks, and they got a small sampling of all six of our varieties of chocolate, along with a notes sheet. And then we had an Instagram live session, and we would taste the chocolates one at a time with everybody on the Instagram live. So everyone、uh-huh. would be able to taste it with us. And the best part was, people were able to tell us the flavors that they were getting from the chocolate, what they liked and didn't like about the chocolate, and it was really a, a fun time. That's cool. So、uh, how's how's the company been doing? Things have been going really well. Right after that episode aired on the pitch, it was amazing the support we got from other listeners of the show.、Um, in the two weeks after that episode aired, we had over two thousand dollars in sales just from people saying that they heard us on the pitch. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that that was great. But since then. Sales have been going well.、Uh, we have been growing fifty percent month over month. What are you up to now in sales? At this point, since the end of March, we're at almost eleven thousand in sales.、Um, How much in sales had you done before then? Before you called in? A hundred. A hundred dollars. 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 I mean, that's incredible. Like you started a business and got to eleven thousand dollars in sales during a pandemic. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for giving us the update. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Josh. It's great to talk to you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Ben. Bye. I mean, it's great to hear things are going so well. You know. Yeah. I love that so many listeners ordered his chocolate. Like that's amazing. I guess I'm not the only person who heard that and was just like, "Damn, I could go for some bean to bar chocolate right now." <laughs> yeah.、Uh, you are a hungry host. You know. <laughs> All right. Next caller. Next up, we have Laura Alotebi. Ben Usen Moore is her business. Birthday parties and stuff for people, right? Yes, yeah. And then obviously, events stopped happening. Right. No more events. Sounds familiar. Yeah. And the investors were like, "Yeah, can the clown join a Zoom call and scare all the children that way?" <laughs> exactly. That、yeah. kind of thing.、Uh, They, you know, they actually suggested that. Like the one thing I remember from that call-in was that they're just relentless optimism during like the most horrific time for businesses. This is Elizabeth and Charles again. It's funny as you were describing this very seemingly bleak situation. I was actually thinking. This is so exciting! You actually have a lot of amazing opportunities ahead of you. Like even when things return to normal, if you can crack this digital piece, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up becoming a chunk of your business, even once things snap back to normal. Laura, so I'm curious to hear, like, how, like, did you follow their advice, and how did it work out? I was very excited, and then once I heard, you know, the optimism, I definitely、uh, jumped on board. The first thing I did is I reached out to my most active vendors online that I knew were pivoting. I said, "Look, let's try it out. Let's post these online listings." And I had a lot of optimism, and so 
we have like a princess that can zoom with you and read a book to you uh, for our birthday party, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, we have a DJ that can do like a trivia night with uh, you and your friends, or he can do a dance party uh, via Zoom. So you just took that that relentless optimism and just passed yes. it on. Yes, that's what happened. How many of those virtual events did you do in total? Um, you know, to be honest, we only had three bookings uh, through the site. Ah. Yeah. And I thought that there would be more interest, but I still think it's it's still a new idea for people to... I mean, like, it sounds like it was advice that you got amped about mm-hmm. in the room and were, like, pretty on board with, but... Like, it didn't actually pan out. You know, I don't think so, because I think that people can jump on Zoom and celebrate, right? And so they're not thinking about, how do I differentiate that Zoom call? Yeah. Um, And so even friends will come to me like, oh, I'm celebrating a 50th birthday party, but it's going to be via Zoom. What can I do? And I was like, you know, hire this DJ and have a dance party. I mean, that... That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it, people don't think about it, right? How do you dance with someone virtually? <laughs> Josh, I have seen it done. Believe me. Does it work? It works. It works, yeah. It's fun. Wait, wait. You've experienced this, Max? You've done a virtual dance party? I have experienced this, yeah. Clubs have been hosting them. Uh, and they kind of, like, cycle through whoever's being highlighted at the moment. So like some people get featured as like the dancer um, and it kind of incentivizes you to keep moving, you know? It's like when you get featured on the Jumbotron at the the baseball game. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) That actually does sound fun. So you're saying like you just think you were too early, but like you think virtual events is going to be a thing in the event world. Like you think eventually like people are going to get tired of of regular Zoom calls and they're going to want to spice things up. Yeah. How's your business doing right now though? So, um, you know, it's it's kind of in the same situation that it was in March. Bookings are like almost non-existent now. I can't really control what's going on outside, um, but I can control venues and more. Just really staying optimistic, stay focused on the goals. I'm going to keep focusing on the online events and um, really waiting for the event industry to open up because I think 2021 is going to, it's going to be the year. All right. Well, um, Thank you so much for checking in and letting us know the update. All right. Thank you. Bye. 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 Oof. That's tough. If only I had a dollar for every optimistic comment from a founder. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh. I'd be loaded. So uh, next up, we have Chris Murphy. Chris is the owner of Bruella's. Bruella's. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the coffee shop in uh, Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> not our normal fare on this show, but no, <laughs> indeed not. And he was like, I can't open up my coffee and crepe shop. Should I sell on DoorDash or Uber Eats? And exactly. the investors were like, 
do whatever you can to survive, man. I know. They were very serious. Uh, it was a little startling. It was sobering. I remember. Do you want to play us any of that sobering tape? Yeah, I do. Here it is. This is Sarah and Phil. You know, I'm just... When I hear about your, your business, I'm just afraid of what the restaurant industry is going to be like even post-COVID, right? So first, I think there's going to be a trend where people are going to continue to be afraid to go into restaurants for some time. And I think small restaurants are going to have a really tough time making it. If I were you, I would research hard what it would take to get on Uber Eats or DoorDash or one of these platforms. And I think that's really what it is, is like survive until things get back to normal. And unfortunately, nobody knows how or when. But like, you know, if you need to convert more to delivery for now, even if like Phil said, it's not a great business model, if it keeps you alive until you can do your thing again, like do what you need to do. Chris, that was probably the most sobering advice anyone received on that call in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What did you think of that? I was like, okay, so this is a little different than I'm sure like the conversations usually go. There was a minute where I was like remembering, you know, who I was talking to and how much, you know, what kind of companies they usually work with. And but to be like completely honest, there was a sense after where it was like, this like, oh, well, it's going to be like really hard and like good luck. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's going to be really hard, but I actually feel like I have some ideas that might make it work. And the, the big word I took away from that thing was like how to survive basically through it. So when did you open back up? I was off for about a month. We had the shop completely closed. And then from that point on, I opened up in very, very small steps. Uh Um, So we took all the tables out. So there was no seating. There was just an in lane and an out lane. Um, So then we opened the coffee bar back up just to kind of get a sense of how to get people in and out. And what I kind of took away from that and noticed actually after was customers weren't really scared to come back in. People did come in asking, When we were putting tables back in there, people were asking when we were going to add food back, if we're going to have our full menu. I had to be very patient and like slow compared to the people that were coming into the shop for for a a good amount of people. Oh, wow. And then a a big thing for us here, though, was it was very difficult to mandate masks. Um, Our county hadn't done it. Our state hadn't done it. It was basically on us, on the businesses in the city, to start mandating this mask policy. So... That was kind of like a a frustration for me that I was the one, again, having to like supply all of this. So um, the advice you got from the investors to strongly consider delivery services like Uber, Uber Eats and DoorDash, like even though that's going to take a significant chunk of your margin, uh, did you follow the investors advice? So I I didn't think it was the answer to how we were going to long term survive. Whereas a bigger restaurant, which might have, you know, 15 to 20 employees, a full kitchen, um, things like that. Like, yes, I think that that's much easier to, to pivot into this delivery method. But for us and for a cafe, I mean, coffee doesn't really travel well. A lot of the reason of a cafe is like you think of the, you know, the conversations you have and seeing people. Yeah. Um, and then the crepes themselves, like part of the part of the beauty of them was people love watching them be made. People love that they get it right away. 
Um, so it's it was kind of it, it went against everything that I kind of had built up in my head of why this business had worked in the first place. So your business is like, uh, like, is it back to normal levels? Like, are you doing mu as much in sales as oh, you no. were in? No, no. Are you at like 25% of where you were as far as sales? Yeah, I would say probably about 25%, okay. um, if not a little bit less, but it is working. I'm definitely staying afloat. Mm -hmm. But on a positive note, we have been somewhat busy in the sense of we are only doing to-go orders. I did, um, eventually I, I started putting the crepes out again, but I did a very limited menu. Mm -hmm. I started testing this idea of call-ahead orders. So we're about 50% call-ahead and 50% in-shop orders. Oh, wow. You're making it. I'm making it. I, I'm trying. Chris, this has been a pleasure. All right, thank you guys. Have a good and one. And I'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Bye. 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 All right, who's, who's next? Yeah, so next we have Daniel Melendez. He has the business in Mexico City, and he had this big pivot uh, to help waiters that were out of work uh, find jobs with delivery platforms. Yes. Yep. And I remember, like, the investors were super psyched about his pivot. Like, they thought it could be better than his original business. Yeah. We'll take a short break here, and when we come back, we'll call Daniel. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Who's next? Great. So next, we're going to talk with Daniel Melendez. Uh, he's the founder of Uno Punto Cinco. Uno Punto Cinco. They're based in Mexico City. If you remember, their business was really complicated. Even the investors were confused by it in the original call. But here's what you need to know. It's that they were working with a bunch of restaurants, specifically the waiters and waitresses in those restaurants. Like, this is the pivot he was pitching to the investors. It was like, I can help all these people get work at the Mexican equivalent of DoorDash. Right. And the investors were like, that's awesome. Go do that. Yes, exactly. Here's what Elizabeth said. Right now, your mission is to help waiters and waitresses. This very much aligns with that. You have the supply. You can make money. 
makes perfect sense. And I agree, the delivery opportunity is there. I would just go and do that. Daniel. Hi, how are you, Josh? How are you, Max? Hey, I'm good. How are things there with uh, the pandemic? So uh, Mexico as the city have already opened uh, like from four weeks now. Mm-hmm. But people are afraid. People are afraid because uh, the pandemic is still going on and the hospital occupation yeah. is almost as, at uh, its full capacity. So uh, or most of the waiters whom we uh, we work with say, uh, I need to choose between being healthy or, or have uh, food on my table because... Our priority in Mexico, uh, for most of the people, is not <laughs> is not the wellness or is not keeping themselves healthy, but keeping themselves eating. So, so it's pretty different. Jeez. Well, uh, let's talk about the business. When you called in, you spoke with Elizabeth and Charles. Did you take their advice? Like they were obviously very excited about your new idea and not so excited about your old business. Well, I took their advice. Uh, but it didn't uh, bring a lot of revenue to the table. Uh, in about three months, we made uh, about $2,000 from that model. How many people right now are using that marketplace platform to get work through, through these delivery services? Uh, between 50 to 100 per week, something like that. And you just take like a, a percentage of each transaction? Is that how it works? Since the end of May, we decided to give it for free. Because we we will not making enough revenue in order to change our lives or the life of Uno Punto Cinco, and probably for a waiter that I that we charge a uh, fifty dollars of, of of his first salaries means a lot. So we decided to stop charging and we decided to do it for free. Yeah, you did make two thousand dollars from it, but now you're not making anything. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. It uh, we have tried several things and nothing replaced the the revenue that we have. I have three months investing from my personal savings in order to keep the company alive. So yeah, right now we are, myself, I'm in an an economic struggle. So that's why we're right now we are where we are. (laughs) So what's the plan? What are you going to do? Well, right now, my biggest angel investor is, is very insisting. He has a Colombian delivery platform. He's insisting that I should take uh, a job with him and help him to, to bring my waiters to this new delivery app. He told me, Come and work with me in my startup, invest for myself a little bit in 1.5 and, and see what happened in, in a few months. Wait, so you're saying like you might take a job with someone else and like put your own business on hold? I haven't decided yet, but I think that I will do. I get a, a job and after six to 12 months, we will figure out how, how or what we're going to do with 1.5. What does it feel like being at this crossroads where you have to go back and work for somebody else in order to keep your company afloat? Does it feel like you failed in some way? Actually, if I shut down right now on Punto Cinco, this Monday I have a job and a job that pays me much more better than 95% of the Mexicans. So yeah, I feel sad, but I also think that I'm thankful for with life, with myself, because these opportunities doesn't happen. I think that, don't, that well, in Mexico, doesn't happen that often. 
Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you very much for the for your time and for for your questions. <laughs> I hope everything goes well and that uh, whatever you choose that it works out. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. What weren't you expecting? I mean, I don't know. It seemed like what he was starting had the potential to really take off. Um, but the fact that he made it free, it's interesting. Like, it sounds like he was like, these people really need the help. So we're just going to make it free. Yeah, I mean, it sounded just like a nice thing to do. Like, it wasn't making the business enough money for it to make a difference in whether or not they could continue operating. So he was like, well, yeah, I guess it's providing these waiters a good service, so I'll keep it going. Yeah, I love that. Like, I keep hearing about like little tiny stories like that about people making decisions that favor others over their own self-interests. Um, I don't know. For all the bad we see in humanity these days, it's good to be reminded of the good. And I'm sure those like waiters really appreciate it. I'd imagine so. All right, so there's one other call you have to hear. I was totally surprised by it, twice. First of all, this was a business that was barely off the ground back in the spring. And now the founder, Shannon, is crushing it so hard, investors are calling her to try to give her money. But I was really shocked at our investors' response to a question that Shannon had. Investors Sarah Downey and Phil Nadell were on the call with Shannon when she asked if she should file for patents. Sarah and Phil did not mince words. Patents. That's what I was going to say. Yo. I pretty much said that. Yeah, sponsored by the Anti-Patent Association of America. Phil and Sarah, (laughs) get out of here. They got a little worked up. And they dropped some serious knowledge about how getting a patent could really mess up a startup. We turned that call into its own episode. It's available for Pitch Plus subscribers. So if you aren't already signed up, head on over to pitch.show slash plus to support the show. You'll be able to listen to the pitch entirely ad-free and get bonus episodes like the one we dropped today called The Patent Trap. The Pitch is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Max Gibson, Muna Danish, Heather Rogers, and Chris Neary. We are edited by Sarah Saracen. Original music in today's episode from Emma Munger, Breakmaster Cylinder, The Musemaker, and So Wiley. We are mixed by Enoch Kim. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with a new episode in three weeks. See you then. Okay, one last call, just because... This is Dan Brown, founder of Upright Storage Racks. He was the one who called in because he was worried about manufacturing in China because of all that's going on there, political tensions, you know, manufacturing issues, all that. But I wanted to play you a scene from his call because Dan, as it turns out, is a man of many talents. And in case you were wondering, Dan decided to manufacture his gizmos in Vietnam. Hello. Can anyone hear me? Hey, whoa, I can hear you loud hey, and clear. Dan. Hi. So you're you're rec- recording on your end? 
I am. Yeah, I got uh, I got I got my fancy uh, garage band program going. So you know, very nice. Were you a, an artist or a musician in a past life? I am. I am currently a musician, uh, <laughs> as as much as you yeah? can call it that. What, what do you so, play? Yeah, I play guitar, man. I I um I I write. I like writing songs. It's my it's my thing. Uh huh. Do you do you have anything you want to play for us? Oh man. Um, you you like you mean on my guitar? You want me to play something for you? Uh, can you just pick it up and play? Like, I'm I'm uh, so curious. Yeah, get, yeah, give me a second. I mean, it's not every day we talk to a startup founder slash musician. You really put me on the spot here, Josh. I mean, wasn't I wasn't I feel like the guy at the party who's like, oh, I just I don't know how to play guitar, and then he picks it up, you know, and <laughs> starts singing, you know. Uh, yeah, let's see. I can see Holy shit I see the storm clouds wow. Are gathering Looks like rain Yeah, that one's called Daylight You, you crushed it Thanks, uh, that man was like, I... That was soothing my, my anxious soul is that, is that your own original song? Yeah yeah, I've got it recorded. I, my brother and I have been uh, playing music since we were like 16. And so uh, we like are adults now with families and businesses and stuff. But um, yeah. we just, I just, there's nothing like playing at a bar and getting free drinks. You know what I mean? So we still, uh, <laughs> we still band it out, bro. That's what we do. That's awesome. That's, you yeah. nailed it. That was, that was awesome. Don't play, don't, don't play that. Don't, don't do that. That was, don't play that in the podcast. You know, Dan, that only makes me want to play it more. Actually, we'll just let Dan and his bandmates close us out. You can check them out. They're on SoundCloud at Wilbur Down.
This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.